Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I was, uh, I was reading this fascinating article a couple of weeks ago, and it said that the, the government, the, the official, there's some officials over in Hong Kong, and they are currently, they are field testing this brand new technology this brand new pedestrian safety system, this new pedestrian safety device uh, out in the field right now. And it's the system, this, this device that makes the, the pavement at, at crosswalks, it makes the pavement glow green whenever it's safe to cross and it glows red whenever it's not. And the system, it has already been hugely popular and, and you know the reason why. Because it seems that everybody these days, it seems like everyone is looking down. The safety system, it was specifically designed to, to confront this growing problem of folks who were reading their cell phone and, and those who, they're walking blindly into traffic. We're looking down way too much these days. And, and it got me to wondering, it got me to thinking, what would it take? What's it gonna take for us to look up? What would it take for us to, to look out and, and to, look, to look around? But what would life look like? How would life be different? What would life look like if we started, if we started to, to look differently? That's, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we return to, to this holy ground, as we return back to this, this ongoing conversation that Moses has been having with God. And, and what we've seen so far has been, has been majestic and wondrous and, and miraculous. God calling Moses back to Egypt, telling him to, to confront Pharaoh and to, to lead the children of Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. But through it all, what, what have we seen Moses looking at? Through it all, what's Moses been looking at? Moses has been looking at his own inadequacies. Through it all, Moses has been looking at his, his own anxieties, his fear, with excuse after excuse after excuse that the five butts of Moses, we've, we've called him, but, but God, who am I? The, the personal excuse. But God, who, who are you? The theological excuse. And, and this morning, but God, what about them? The social excuse. That's what we're gonna see in our scripture for this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're gonna be in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter four. So open up your Bibles if you have them. Maybe you have a Bible app or on a cell phone with you this morning. But I especially want to invite you, our third graders, to open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Um, now, Exodus is one of the easier Bibles or books of the Bible to find. Um, just be thankful we're not preaching out of Habakkuk because no one would be able to find it this morning. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. So it's the second book of your Bible. If you flip past the book of Genesis, you'll be in Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter four this morning, folks. Uh, Exodus chapter four, looking at the first five verses. So again, Exodus chapter four, beginning with verse one. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. It says, then Moses answered, but suppose they don't believe me or listen to me. But they say to me, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. 
And God said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. And so he reached out his hand and grasped it. And it became a staff in his hand so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. They, them, they'll get us in trouble every single time. Us comparing ourselves with them, us competing with them, us worrying about them, us following them. Nine times out of 10, them is gonna raise up and bite us. But Lord, Moses says, but Lord, what about them? What if they don't believe me? Moses, Moses pushes back against God. It's, it's the paralysis of worst case scenario thinking because God had already told him. God had already told Moses that the people would listen. God had already told Moses that the people would, would follow him. But let's be honest this morning. Let's be honest, it's, it's really hard to take the word of God at face value, especially in those times when it might cost us our lives. I mean, we hedge our bets whenever following the word of God might, might cost us an hour. But I love what God does here. I love what God says here. Because God says, oh, okay, Moses, since you're such a big fan, okay, Moses, since you're in the habit of looking down, you're looking down on opportunities, you're looking down on every possibility. Since you're such a big fan of looking down, go ahead and do it. Look down and tell me what you see. God says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God to take the, the ordinary stuff of life and to use it to, to do the extraordinary? What's that in your hand, Moses? God says, and Moses says, oh, it's, it's, it's a staff. It's, it's my staff. Every shepherd would have had one. And so God says, okay, Moses, throw it down. Throw down your staff. And Moses obeys and he throws down his staff and it becomes a snake. I don't know, did y'all happen to see that story that was on the news this week about that family out in Arizona who thought they had a snake in the garage and wound up having 20 of them? Ugh, yes, thank you, can I get a witness? Um, I, I would have been selling that house. I would be selling that house or burning it down one. I would not be living there. Moses, throw down your staff and he does and it becomes the snake. But not just any snake, it becomes a cobra. I'm not even looking up there. So uh, it becomes a cobra. Most scholars think that the snake, that it, comes, it becomes a cobra. Why a cobra? Because a cobra was one of the royal symbols of Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaoh wore one, he, he wore a cobra on his headdress. He wore a, a cobra on his crown. There's a cobra right there. And, and here's, this is, this is where the story just goes off the rails. This is the moment where this, this story just goes all sorts of crazy if it hadn't already gotten there. Moses throws down his staff, it becomes this cobra, and then God tells Moses to pick it up, but not by the head. He tells Moses to do it, but not in the way you're supposed to pick up a snake. I mean, I'm not supposed to pick up any snake. Um, if you feel called to pick up a snake, you pick it up from the head. That's not what God said. God explicitly tells Moses to pick it up by the tail. God explicitly tells Moses to pick up the snake in the most dangerous way possible. 
in the way that makes it way too easy for that cobra to reach back and to bite him. And what happens? Moses does it. Shockingly, Moses actually does it without one question, without one qualm, without a single excuse. Moses just fearlessly reaches down and he touches this cobra. He reaches down and he picks up this snake. And once he, he, he grasps it like that, it becomes a staff again so that they might believe, so that they, so that them might believe that he had experienced the presence of God. It's the power and the provision. It's the miraculous power and provision of God that still opens blind eyes. It's the power and provision of God that that still opens, that still raises up the, the, the eyes that have too long been cast down. They're the signs and wonders. They're the signs and wonders that still testify to, to our faith, forged from the, from the common everyday stuff of life, the stuff that we already have in our hands. We, we just have to look down and see it. And then we have to look up and believe it, to, to be like Moses here, to be like Moses, willing to believe the scary thing, willing to do the scary thing personally before we ever try to attempt the scary thing publicly. Thank you, Pastor Todd, for really bringing that scripture alive for us in a very powerful way. And I really want us to think about this third but of Moses, this third excuse. What about them? Because it seems to me in this passage, God is asking Moses three questions that I think he asked all of us. And I want us to think about them in our lives. Three questions God asks us, and that is, will we remember? Will we look back and remember what God has been doing in history and in our lives? What's he say to Moses? Moses, don't you remember? I spoke to you in that burning bush. I told you that I was always going to be with you. Don't you remember? God says the same things to us. Don't you remember? I called you. I claimed you. You are mine. And when I call you and I give you a dream, I will give you the power to achieve that which I have called you to do. But you see, that's the issue that's really kind of getting to Moses. He's saying, Lord, yes, I know that you spoke to me in the burning bush. I heard your name. Yes, I remember you said that you would always be with me. I know you said, Lord, that when I need to speak, you'll give me the right words at the right time at the right place. But what if when I speak, they laugh at me? What if they don't understand? What if if they don't like what I have to say? What do I do then? And God said, remember what he said? Moses, look down in your hands. And what did he have? A stick, a staff, a shepherd's rod. Every shepherd would have this. this. This stick Moses would take with him, and he would carry them and do wonderful signs using this stick. A little later on, he would go back to Pharaoh's court and do miracle after miracle holding this rod. He would lift this rod up when he parted the Red Sea, and as they traveled through the wilderness, miracle after miracle would take place. This this simple stick, this rod, this ordinary tool of the shepherd would be assigned to Moses for the rest of his life of God's provision, God's power, God's presence with him, even in the most difficult of times. Now, I want us to know something when we read a story like this. Miracles didn't just happen in the Bible and then stop. 
Miracles continue to happen. And I have to tell you, I believe in miracles. Pastor Todd would tell you he believes in miracles, not just because they're central to the teaching of the Old and the New Testament, not just because they were so important in Jesus' ministry. I believe in miracles because I've seen them, and I've experienced them, and I've seen them in the life of others. You see, you don't have to part the Red Sea or walk on water to experience a miracle. They happen all around us if we are tuned in to see. Let's remember what a miracle is. I think three things happen to make a miracle. Number one is God is involved directly and personally in our lives. Secondly, we recognize His presence. And thirdly, we live life radically differently as a result of that encounter. God just breaks into life, and He intervenes in our circumstances. And we know He's there. We experience Him, and life is different because He comes to us in that personal, intimate way. And I have to tell you, I, I've seen miracles all the time. As a pastor, our, our life is filled with miracles. I've seen self-absorbed people become generous. I've seen people filled with fear do the most difficult thing they could ever imagine with courage and with bravery, knowing that God is with them. I believe in miracles. And third graders, I hope you believe in miracles too, because what happens when we believe in miracles, we know in the worst of times, in the scariest of moments, God is right there. He will break in, and He will help us with whatever we're dealing with. That's why we wear these little bracelets. And if you don't have one, they're all over the building. I hope you get one, and I hope you wear this for the rest of your life. You know what it says? God is big enough. When we're scared and when we're in a tough time, we need to know that God is big enough and remember God's promises, not only what He did in the past, but what He promised to do in the future. God asked Moses, He asked us, will we Remember, will we look back? And then secondly, ask us, will we look in our hands? Again, I love verse 2. What did he say? What is that in your hand, Moses? And he said, a staff. He said, a stick, a, a rod. Pastor Todd explained it beautifully. It was a tool every shepherd would have to guide his sheep. It was just an ordinary part of his life. I want us to know it's the ordinary stuff in our lives that God will use to do a miracle. Remember in Jesus' ministry, there's going to be a time there are 5,000 people that have gathered to hear Him preach, and they're hungry, and they have no food, and Jesus does a miracle to feed them. But remember how He does it? There's a little boy that's there, and this little boy has five little crackers and two little sardines, and Jesus uses that to be the stuff of a miracle. As a way of saying, if you want a miracle, what, what's in your hands? That's what I will use, that nothing is insignificant in God's hands. Little is much in the hands of God. And I want us to know that in our lives, whatever is in our hands, that's what God is going to use to work a miracle. I've shared with you, I've seen so many miracles in my ministry, but I remember the very first one, without a doubt, my first day as a pastor. It was June 15, 1986, and I was appointed to the Haslett Dido Charge, and I preached my first sermon, 9.30 in the morning, at the Dido Methodist Church on Eagle Mountain Lake. And after that service, I got in the car and I drove over to Haslett to preach the 11 o'clock service. 
And after the service, they had a potluck lunch to welcome the new pastor and the family, and we were sharing the lunch, and I got a phone call. Now, this was long before there were cell phones. So this came in the church line, and it was a member of the Dido Church, said, Pastor, we've got a crisis. We have a huge problem. Can you come over and counsel us? And they asked me to come to their house at 4 o'clock over on Eagle Mountain Lake. And I said, of course, I will be there. And so we finished the meal, and I got ready to go, and I was driving over, and I thought, oh, Lord, what is fixing to happen here? I hadn't been to seminary yet. I haven't had a pastoral care class. I wasn't trained like Pastor Todd was. I was a business major. I was an accountant. I I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, Lord, please don't let me embarrass you and embarrass the church. Please help me here. I was praying mightily. So I arrived and this couple told me, we are having a terrible time. We are fighting awfully because we just started a new business and we can't reconcile our bank statement. And we can't get our books to balance. And they said, Pastor, can you help us? And I said, I can. (laughs) So I went to work and I reconciled their bank statement and we got their books all in order and had a lovely conversation. And I'll never forget as I was driving home that day, I was just praising God. I was singing hymns. I was praising. It was a glorious moment. And I said, Lord, the first day on the job, you brought a miracle into my life. Thank you for that miracle. You sent me the only problem I could handle. (laughs) But that's the way God works. What's in our hands? That's the stuff of miracles. And then the third thing, will we face our fears? I love verse 3. Again, it's just kind of the scary verse. So he threw throw that staff on the ground. He threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from him. I can tell you I am deathly afraid of snakes, and I would do more than draw back. I would be dancing, and I would be yelling, and I would be calling for help. But he draws back, and Todd, Pastor Todd, again, explained it beautifully. That snake was a cobra, a terrifying, scary cobra. And he draws back not only because he was afraid of snakes, but again, as Todd shared with us, the cobra was the symbol of Pharaoh. And God had told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and gave him a dangerous mission. That was, he was sending him to the most powerful military figure on earth. And, And he was wanted back in Egypt for treason and murder. And he was terrified. And I love what Todd said when he said, pick up the tail of it. That was dangerous. That meant that snake could bite you. Why did God say that? What was going on? I think what he was saying is, Moses, you have to face your fears. You can't run from them. I'm asking you to do the scariest thing you can imagine. You have to face your fears head on. If we want to walk on water, we have to get out of the boat. Because that's the place so often that we will meet God in that place of our fears. I love the story about the five-year-old. So third graders, you may remember, there was a five-year-old little boy, and they lived in an old house, and they had a pantry that didn't have a light in it, and it scared this little boy. It was dark and creepy and smelled musty, and he was scared of that pantry. So one day he was in the kitchen and his mama was cooking supper and the mama said, son, would you go into that pantry and hand me a can of tomato soup? Well, the little boy didn't want to do that. So he hemmed and hawed and 
tried to not pay attention and his mother saw he wasn't going and she knew he was scared and said, now honey, you don't need to be scared. You just go into that pantry, get that can of tomato soup because you don't need to be afraid at all. Jesus is in there. Jesus will be with you when you go into that pantry. And so the little boy kind of tentatively tiptoed over there, didn't really want to, and he made his way and he looked in that pantry and it was still dark and it was still scary and it was still creepy and he about to turn around and ran when all of a sudden he had an idea. And he turned back to the pantry and said, Jesus, if you're in there, will you please hand me a can of tomato soup? <laughs> and I want us to know, isn't that us? Because I know that's me. If you want a miracle, you have to go into the pantry. You have to face the darkness. You have to deal with our fears head on. I have to tell you, that's my story. Sometimes my greatest fears have become the places of God's greatest miracles. I was thinking back, students, when I was a sophomore in high school, again, still at the First Methodist Church of Bossier City, Louisiana, I didn't really go to youth group. And one of the reasons was that my, my friends that I hung out with didn't go to my church, and the people that I had gone to Sunday school with didn't really click that much with. There was a small group of us, and I realized I am intensely shy. New situations, new circumstances when I don't know people scare me to death. It is a great fear of mine. So transitions in life, new places, new people are terrifying. I have to overcome that fear. That's really the reason that I, I kind of was afraid to go to youth group. But I remember my sophomore year, the youth leaders kept inviting me, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to check this out. And so I went, and I remember I drove up, and I was scared to death. I didn't want to get out of the car. I wanted to turn around and run. I didn't want to do that, but I finally took a deep breath, and I went in, and I discovered something that shocked me. Right below my grade, there were a whole bunch of people that I just immediately clicked with. We became dear friends. I loved them very much, and that group of friends, a little younger than me, that youth group would change the course of my life. And there at that youth group, I met Mary Jane Johnson, our youth choir director, one of the great saints who ever lived, the most wonderful lady who became a mentor and a friend and a hero. And I thought back, what I had to do that day was to reach out and grab the snake of my shyness. Because when I did that, I was in the place that a miracle could happen that would change forever the direction of my life. It's the way it works for all of us. So what are we afraid of? It's all different. We're afraid of different things. But we need to know in third graders, I want you to know and never forget, God loves you. God is with you. God has a plan and purpose for your life. Don't ever forget that. But sometimes if we're going to live into God's plans and purposes, we have to reach out and grab the snake of our fears because that's the place where God is. It takes courage. But when we will have that courage, again and again we will see God work His miracles. And he, was, he will write His truth on our hearts. One more Bible verse for you. You don't have to look it up. We'll flash it on the back. But in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning in verse 20, this is God's wisdom we can live by. Now to Him who by the power 
at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we know you're with us. Your hand guides us. You intervene. You break into our lives. Lord, help us to know that. Help us to remember and to look back and to know what you have done and what you promised for us. Lord, help us to look at what's in our hands because you will use the ordinary in our lives, our ordinary gifts to be a part of how you want to reach the world today. And Lord, help us address our fears. Help us not run from them, but, but grab them and be aware of them, knowing that that's the place that miracles happen. Lord, we lift up particularly these third graders. Lord, live in their hearts, guide them, lead them, that they may walk with you more closely through the years. Lord, and speak to all of us that we can be faithful, that we can hear, and we can know that you are with us. So, Lord, we thank you for this day and for who you are and all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.